Welcome in to Trust the Process Live. It's Monday. That's That means you see our faces. It's Manic Monday, All-Star Mania Monday, Mania Monday, whatever you want to call it. It's Monday, and all of us, well, Max might have had a good day, but uh, it's definitely a Manic Monday for me. I'm a little bit frantic, as you can tell, but as always, I am your frantic host, James Hyden, along with my guys, Doc Locke, Josh Saffron. How you doing, fella? Man, it is Monday, which means I'm doing well. But yeah, definitely manic, and I just I want to be together in real life, plain and simple. But I'm doing good. Good, good. Hey, digits. We uh we we didn't have him last week, so he may have took some off. He may have added a few. He may have kept it just the same. But I guess the only person to tell us is the man with digits in his name, Max Coolish. Good to have you back, man. How are you? Feeling good. Feeling good. Back back from uh from my one week hiatus. You know, glad to see you guys. Didn't burn down the place without me, so good to be back, ready to, ready to get chatting. There's no promises. There's a candle on in the background, and I often leave them unchecked. Um, back from which he went, uh, but our man, the YG young gentleman, James Jackson himself. Yes, sir. Why why manic, y'all? Life is good right now. Life, life is <laughs> You know what I mean? Life You're is right great, baby. Good and we champs, baby. Life is good. Why y'all so, man, take a sip out of the joy of life with me. Come on, man. Yeah, pass that around. You know life, what I, mean? life I don't is know, good. I don't I know what it I tastes could. like. I've been told it's nice. I wish I could. Well, we're going to get right into our main event, guys. And this one is... Uh, well, it's going to be mostly about the Sixers. I can't promise it's going to be all about the Sixers. And I think... There's a certain question about a certain someone who plays a certain position for a certain football team in a certain city coming up later yeah. on. But I won't spoil it. I, I don't think I spoiled it with that uh, with that little with those little hints nah, right man, there. I'm, I'm clueless. I wonder who that could be. I'm yeah, absolutely... we're gonna stick with the guys who dribble the basketballs, uh, who should not shut up and dribble because you should speak out on whatever you feel like because you're a person. But we're gonna stick with the Sixers right now. We're gonna kick it off with a question, and uh, Doc Clock, I'm gonna come to you first. Woof. The dogs are barking. Oh. The dogs are barking. All right. Woof. The dogs are barking. Do you feel like the Sixers like I, I what do you feel about this 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 number 7? This number 7. 7 point dogs. 7 point dogs. Tell me how you feel about that. All right, Josh, there's 7 point dogs on this West Coaster to the Utah Jazz. Yeah, well, how well, how do I feel about 7 or how do I feel about dogs? I'll give you I'll give you my answer to both. First off, how do I feel about seven? I, I, Doc Lockman, real quick, I'm hammering those seven points as long as we find out Joel Embiid wow. is playing. I love that seven points. Yep. But about, like, do they deserve to be dogs tonight? Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, and like, you know, honestly, it, it, it's hard for me to say when I look at, like, just look at the roster side by side, and especially with Mike Conley out, I feel like the talent on the Sixers is greater than the talent on the Jazz. I really do. But there's no way you can make the Sixers favorites tonight. I wish you could. It's just for, I mean, even even if you threw out the last uh, three games or so with the road trip, I would still make the Sixers dog. But it just speaks to how hot the Utah Jazz are. You don't need me to tell you that. They're on top of everyone's power rankings. So, yeah, I hate to say it. But, yes, they do deserve to be dogs. But the seven points, take the seven points. All right. Well, yeah, they haven't lost a game since January 5th, I want to say. Oh, I think that, it's, yeah. it's – it's, the Utah Jazz are one of the hottest, the hottest team in the league, um, even without Mike Conley. Max, what, what, do they deserve to be dogs? And I don't know how I feel about this seven, but tell, tell me what this uh, tell me what this line's telling you. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, 
it's definitely enticing to take the Sixers as as seven point underdogs. That's for sure. Would I do it? Probably. I think I think you're laying a t- you know a touchdown to you know what's going to be a pretty a pretty you would imagine a pretty cl- good matchup between two pretty good teams. You know even even if the Jazz win comfortably, that might be a comfortable four point win. Sixers are no slouch. You know they've they've performed on the road this year, which is not something I would have said last year. But you yes, know they've been they've been respectable on the road. Obviously, you know you still you're still preferring them to play anyone they can at, at home. But uh, the Jazz have won, I believe, 20 of 21 after last night, including the uh, I forget what is it like 13 or 14 win streak that they're on. So I mean, yeah, the the Jazz would would and should be favored against probably anybody in the league right now, especially with. With the news of Anthony Davis's injury, I, I don't think the Lakers even get the benefit of the doubt against them. Against them, you know, if they hypothetically played today or yeah, soon. So, wow, yeah. JJ. So t- tell me, you think they're? I, I'm. Not, I, I believe you think that they're. They should be underdogs. But but tell me again and tell me what this seven means to you. Um, the seven I, I believe is just a byproduct of kind of what Josh was saying about how hot the Utah Jazz are, plus them being at home. You know, but a, you know, a seven-point game in today's NBA, seven points is nothing. You can erase a seven-point deficit in literally seconds um, with with today's NBA. So I think that is still predicting that it's going to be a close game, but giving the slight edge to the Utah Jazz. Josh, something I will disagree with you about is I do think it's because of the hot streak the Utah Jazz on and the little you know two-game losing streak the Sixers were on. Yeah, I think yeah. if you were to throw that two-game losing streak out, I think you could make a case for the Sixers being the favorite because of the talent disparity on paper, plus the Utah Jazz not having their starting point guard and Mike Conley. Like, I think that would either at least constitute the Jazz maybe being, you know, minus four or minus three or something like that. But that, that's if, if you're going to close the gap that much, you might as well just make you know, make it even or the Sixers, you know, favorites at that point. If you're going to close it by, by that close of a game, but you're looking at the Utah Jazz, who's coming in off of seven straight wins. That includes a 14-point win against the Bucks and a 12-point win against the Celtics. They're beating very good teams on, you know, in the midst of this winning streak as well. So when the Sixers come in on a two-game skid, yeah, they deserve to be underdogs. But I do think if we're going to live in the realm that Joel Embiid is playing tonight until we see reports otherwise, even with a Joel Embiid not at 100%, which he's clearly not been in this road trip. You've seen it many games, won the last game of the road trip. I do expect a win because of that Embiid-Gobert matchup that I just believe Joel Embiid wins when two dominant down-low centers are going head-to-head. I I mean, I think Joel Embiid is the most dominant center in the NBA in in terms of, sure, dominance in the presence. We know Embiid, or I'm sorry, Gobert, likes to defend in the post. That's where Embiid does most of his game. And I think when when those two go head-to-head, I just see Joel Embiid winning that matchup, which most of the time Embiid wins his matchup, the Sixers win the game. so I do think that's where it balances out, but I don't fault the line being, you know, the Jazz being seven-point favorites and the Sixers being seven-point dogs. That's just where that's where they are currently right now. Two-game losing streak, seven-game win streak, the top of the East versus the top of the West. That's I mean, that's just how they match up at this current moment. Well, I mean, yeah, I hear like that's that was the point I was about to make because you're definitely I can't refute that. Like that that seven number has got to be a product of the two-game losing streak that they're on now. I, just, I feel a little disrespected, you know, as a, as a Sixers fan. And I've been the one who's been, you know, trying to pump the brakes a little bit on the Sixers team. But, JJ, you did say it. It's the top team in the East going against the top seven team in the points. West. Seven, seven points. Seven points. That's like a lot. good amount to me. That seems seven like a lot. Of, yeah, it's that's a lot seven. of points. We're on a two-game losing streak, and they're the best team in the NBA. 
Max, you said it yourself. Anyone would be underdogs against this team. Now account for the fact that you're on a two-game losing streak and you're on the last game of a road trip. That doesn't constitute I, seven. I think this is Vegas. I think this is Vegas running with the the, the idea that Embiid is not going to play. I just I get that the Jazz are 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 playing really well and they are at home and I just I just feel like seven seven is too high if, if yeah. the Sixers are at full strength. Wrong. It just is. I I'm, I I agree. I agree, Wrong. man. It's it's, it's, well, it's less days. about it's less about y'all getting disrespected and more about let's Wrong. give the Jazz their props with being. The best team in the NBA at home facing a team who's on a two-game losing streak. I mean, if the if the roles were reversed, you guys would be fine with a seven-point uh, seven-point advantage. But, the, but it's not like the we're the Sixers are the number one team in the East. If 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 the roles were reversed, I I would I would be wary of a spread that large against yeah. a team that is that is number one in their conference. I'm going to cut in. Anybody else that that's I'm, man, double I'm really glad I'm not a bookie because I would have put this line somewhere around nine and a half because they they just beat the Bucks by how much did you say, JJ? So all right, so before before I get to my point, wait, do okay. the Bucks look? Say it with me now. That loss to the Thunder last night was bad. I'm lucky I'm not a bookmaker because I would I would be giving out free money setting this line at nine and a half. I mean, look, I it's it, it's you're you're on a West Coaster. Um, the it's it's very obvious. Doc Rivers has spoken about it at length about how bad these COVID protocols have been. The the, the um, between giving these guys an extra hour of sleep and cutting practice hours, like the Sixers are not in good shape. If you've watched the last couple of games, they look exhausted. They towards were tired. The- Mm-hmm. And it's I, I think the Embiid questionable moved the line probably about four and a half points for some that like it's it, that's a big swing. And if you yeah. if if you're a bookmaker and you watch the last game, how much or how little that bench can score without Shake Milton, um, yep. it's like this is just it's the Sixers need to come home and they need Daryl Morey to cook something up, which leads us into our next question. Very nicely. Call and I'm going to go back around, but I'm going to tell you what I took from this road trip. And, uh, and, and we're going to come back around. The question I'm going to pose to you guys is, uh, give me a negative and the positive from this bumpy road trip, okay? And my negative, real quick, is this bench can't score without Shake Milton. This, it's like it's, it's, it is what it is. You, 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 you like what you've seen out of Tyrese Maxey, but you need more. You definitely need more from Tybalt. Um, it's, it's shake Milton's hurt. Uh, you don't know really when he's going to get him back. Mike Scott is a shell of himself and, and just can't run with anybody and can't shoot anymore. It's, you need to go make a move. And JJ Redick is now out on the possibility of making a reunion with the 76ers. So, so the negative is obviously the bench still needs uh, a good amount of work when to start the season, we were all procl- uh, proclaiming, oh, the second unit's going to be super fun to watch. Um, it they is what it first. is. And I think you, they they were at first. They definitely were. Um, but if if we want to actually be viewed as the top team in the East and not just hold it record wise, I think the bench needs some work. Uh, the positive is Ben Simmons looks pissed off. Ben Simmons looks pissed off. Um, and if you're gonna say, if you're one of those fans out there that's gonna say that Devin Booker handled Ben Simmons all like all night long and gave him fits. You didn't watch the full game because Ben Simmons wasn't on him the whole game, and when he was on him, he gave him fits. Um, so Ben Simmons looks pissed off, and that's always a good thing. But, JJ, positive and negative from this West Coaster. Uh, I guess since you started out Negadelphia, and I'll start out on the negative side too. It's, that seems just to be the knee-jerk reaction of Philly sports fans. Let me just start out where the grass isn't greener. Um, 
But I think the, the negative that screams out to me is this is the first time all season. Maybe that is a little positive, but now we're starting to see the fatigue factor of Joel Embiid, where he even started before small injuries started to arise. He looked tired even in the Sacramento game to start this four-game road trip. The, the minute the ball tipped in the Sacramento game, he just looked like you know a little slow. He started the first half very slow, ended the game with, I believe, 24-25, but it was a sluggish 24 and 25. We haven't really seen the, the fatigue be that bad from Joel Embiid this season, but this is okay. It's kind of an inconvenient time for it to start reeling, rearing its ugly head. I guess, you know, there's going to be dog days in any, in any season when he's, you know, it's still 72 games, even though we're in an abbreviated year. So I guess there's going to be dog days, but you would like to see your superstar have, you know, the superstar endurance like a Donovan Mitchell is having, like a LeBron James is having, like a Damian Lillard is having. And it be, looks like he's starting to take a gear slower. Now, when he comes back home and gets some days rest before his next game, that may change, but that's just what we're seeing right now. And the positive banners, I'm exactly where you are. My positive is, is Ben Simmons. And you're right. Like, since those trade rumors, he looks like he has something to prove. And that is the biggest positive for Sixers fans that Ben Simmons is playing like he has something to prove. Because even when it was, you're lacking a jump shot, you're lacking offensive skill sets, what was his response to that? Man, I mean, I'm an all-star. So, like, he didn't think he had, he didn't think he had anything left to do, anything, anything left to prove. He thought he was ultra secure. Then he got put on the trade block. Then someone said, hey, we will trade you if we get, the bad, if we get a good offer. If we get an offer good enough, we will move you. And it made him have to prove something. Now, now I have my worth to prove if I truly want to stay in Philadelphia and be known as one of the cornerstones of this franchise. And at least through this road trip, he's looked like he's upped his play a little bit. 14-9-7 against Sacramento. 23-9-11 against Portland. 18-4-6 against Phoenix. And doing it at a time where his superstar does look a little bit sluggish. I don't think that's a coincidence that when Joel Embiid went down maybe a notch or two, Ben Simmons went up maybe a notch or two. I think that's a very good sign for Sixers fans. And that, no matter where Joel Embiid is, that's something that needs to stay consistent. And that's Ben Simmons playing like, I got something to prove, playing like there's something more to do and more to accomplish, at least in his career or in the season, not playing with a content mindset, which he can he can often present. I think it's a good sign. Maxie, give us, uh, give us your cons and pros since we both started off negative. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's... It's hard for me to really think of a con other than the, the bench's lackluster performance because the starters are 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 most certainly pulling their weight. I actually, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that you guys are are saying Embiid looks tired and, and sluggish because he's been pretty dominant over these three games. I mean, maybe it hasn't been his his cleanest games ever. Yeah, he's had some sloppy turnovers for sure. I'm not gonna not gonna disagree. But you know, statistically, he is having impact. He's not going missing in any of these games. And, no, no, no. And never, never said that. Just b- before you could never I'm said he was missing. That, but he does look tired. Yeah, he does look. I, a little I know slow. you're not saying that. I'm just saying that. I, I don't. I don't. You know, maybe he's a little bit tired because yeah, we got kind of in the dog days of the season. They're playing every other day. It's probably starting to catch up to him a little bit after exactly. you know West Coast road trip and all that stuff. Adjustment of the time zones, but. I actually was going to give him props because it's not really affecting his level of play. Like his, his worst game that he had was 25 and 17 or, or maybe it was the 34 and nine game. Like you pick one of those two games, but like both of those are still really, really good games. And, and I, I think it really just kind of boils down to when, when he's not on the court and, and 
I don't want to say primarily it, it drips down to Tobias and Ben because it doesn't because they've been playing really well as, as well. But it, it feels like the three of them can't really do too much more without this getting to to the you definitely can't sustain this and win you know throughout the course of a regular playoff season. So I think the bench needs to, to, to get some tweaks. It, it it just kind of feels like a lot of the bench guys are in a slump right now. Like like Thibel yeah. Thibel. I mean Thibel's never been known as an offensive guy, but he looks like he's Tony Moss. Snell out there trying to shoot. And you know Maxie's cooled off after after he's kind of I don't want to say he got discovered, but you know we see this happen with rookies all the time. You know unless there's you know even twenty games worth of film, they kind of kind of maybe kind of hit a little bit of a wall, and it's up to them to find that that first adjustment, excuse me, adjustment to the things going on around them. So it, it just kind of feels like everybody on the bench is, is just kind of slumping at the, the worst time possible. Um, and, and obviously no shake Melton, you know, it really, really increases the burden on everybody else. I mean, that's, that's probably the, the biggest key, but you know, I don't want to say my negative is that shake Melton's not playing because that's kind of a cop out answer. So I think it's poor timing. A lot of it, and you know, naturally, the, the you know, West Coast road trips are hard, man. It's it's tough going. You know, we see West. It, 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 there's there's a major difference when your body is operating on the you know, even if it's for a week, if you're operating three hours, you know, forward or backwards compared to what you're used to, that's going to mess you up to some extent. And that's not an excuse for for athletes of this caliber, but it is most certainly a factor. And and I, I'm not going to press the panic button after you know losing to the Suns, who are the second hottest team in the NBA, maybe after the Jazz and. And you know, losing to Portland, who I mean, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard hates the Sixers maybe slightly less than the Warriors because yep. it's just it's just free money taking his points props every time. That, and that Mello, he, and Mello, y'all did something. Mello, Mello's always good for it, but Mello's not the one who just. Every time I know that the game's close in the fourth quarter, I am I'm legitimately worried about Damian Lillard more than I am most other most other players. Yeah, Josh, uh, cons and pros, pros and cons, whichever order you choose. I want to I want to switch things up a bit and get out of the negadelphia and I'm going to go with a pro first and I'm not going to be original this time around but I feel like I have to pay my penance Benjamin Simmons. I mean, it, if you can go back to the episode where I said I'd rather have Sabonis and look at the splits of Ben before and after. You heard us. He clearly was listening. Shout out Ben, friend of the show. But actually I'm glad you realized how blasphemous you were for that like like Whoa, I did not call it blasphemous by any means. That was straight up blasphemous. Blasphemous. Nope, nope, I'm not not calling it blasphemous, but I'm saying his play has improved greatly ever since I said that. We say things that we don't mean when we're emotional. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're human. But anyways, anyways, if we got a little max freezing there, not again. But, But back to Ben Simmons. What I was just saying about Ben, I mean, you guys touched on it, but I I would be remiss if I didn't give him credit. He's just back to that Ben Simmons that we've known he's capable of. And I guess I'm still wanting him to kick it into another gear, but he doesn't have to. I don't think he has to. I am fine. If this is the Ben Simmons that I see for the rest of the season, I would sign up for that. I mean, he is really playing – well, first of all, we know how good he is on defense. Yeah, Banners, you were right. He did give Devin Booker some fits. But this is tying right into my con. My con is history repeats itself. And I mean, for all the talk we have about how this team's different than all the other teams, I'm starting to see some of the same things that have been problems the last few years, aside from Joel Embiid. Because, I, I, JJ, I, I do hear what you're saying. He has looked a little slow, but I am just so unconcerned about Embiid. He played against Rashawn Holmes in one of his, quote, worst games of the year. And while Rashawn Holmes isn't going to make any all-star team or anything like that, 
He is a, a defender player. He's a, a physical. He's a physical yeah. big man. And, energetic too. Very physical, energetic. Player. And he's got so many reps against Embiid in his career, probably more than maybe. I mean, maybe not more than anyone, but up there as much as anyone. Mm-hmm. So you know, while while Embiid, yeah, he does look a little bit slower. I'm willing to say, hey, played against Rich Homie Quan in that one. Stay twenty tuned. Love Rashawn Holmes. I, I would love to have him now, but I'm willing to just put that one aside. The other thing is the Trailblazers. Trailblazers games, as I said, always played in Vortexes. That's still happening. That uh, that Suns game, Devin Booker, I think he averages 35, maybe 37 points in games against the 76ers. Uh, Dwight Howard, where has he gone? The bench, where have they gone? So many things that have been problems these last three years, and we've said this team so many times, oh, it's different, it's different. And I do believe that partially – but man, I just there's so many things from the last few years that are starting to rise up, and I feel like it's slowly but surely turning sour. Yeah, I think it's a problem if I just and and Darren Morey has to know this. I think it's a problem right. if your bench, if Shake Milton is mm-hmm. the the key factor in you being a title contender or not. Like if you remove Shake Milton from this lineup, the bench is completely useless. I think that. That can't be the case. You know what I mean? As much as I love Shake, I'm I'm part I got hey, we're part of the Shake fan club here. Shake, like go ahead and shake. But that can't be the case. You know what I mean? Is does does, does that make sense? Well, it, it makes it makes sense, but at the same time, no title, no title contender, no, no title winner is complete without like a very competent bench unit. Every every title t- like title team in the modern era. It was their superstars are carrying most of the weight, but they're winning because their bench is beating yeah. the opposite team's bench. Well, and that's I what mean, I mean. I'm saying, I'm saying like Shake Milton can't make your bench viable. There's a prime. There's a prime. There's a premier player on every bench, and Shake, Shake Milton is the Sixers' six man of the year candidate. I mean, he's, right before the injury, he was like top five in that in that category. So I don't think it's a huge problem that Shake Milton goes down and the bench is different because I think when you lose your best bench player. Your bench is going to take a hit. Like that's that's just right. what happens. I, I just think different and not viable are separate things. You know what I mean? Like Shake Milton. Obviously, removing Shake Milton is going to change the complexity of your you. game, everything like that. But removing Shake can't make your bench just not viable. You know what I mean? There was I a point you. where they were searching for anything, like having uh, Joel Embiid and Seth Curry out there with bench guys. Like that was. That's a that's a lineup we should never see. That means they're searching. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That that means they're hunting for anything to get this team going late in the game. And, and if that were like they, we saw that late in the game, like that's not that's not a great thing to see. Um, so I, it's as much as I love Shake, I, I just we can't we can't let him make the bench not viable when he rolls his ankle. You know what I mean? Um, but getting on to a brighter spot, Max. You touched on this a little bit, and and we're getting into the the manic, the mania part of part of this episode. All right, and and we we title the episode All Star Mania, and and this is where we get to talk about probably the quietest piece of the Sixers, and quiet. I mean, quiet in in personality and his role in the game. Tobias Harris now. If you're a fan of the show, long-time, uh, long-time watcher or listener, uh, and, and I say listener because as a reminder, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts on all podcast platforms, whether that be Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you want to make one always up, always podcast on it. But if you are a long-time just, listener- Just a you true got, professional when it comes to the plug. Just oh, absolutely. Sure. I, hey, I got to do my reads. You know <laughs> what I mean? I, I, I got to do it. 
Um, but if you're a long-time listener to the show, you have seen me um, be very critical of Tobias uh, going back to, to when we first got him. Um, and you have also seen me praise the Tobias Whisperer whether, uh, in, in being Glenn Rivers. So I, I'm going to come back around with this question. And Josh, coming to you first, man. Do we have the all-star mania for Tobias Harris? Like, Is, is Tobias Harris deserving of all-star recognition? If they, if Tobias Harris is an all-star this year, they, they might as well just change the name of the whole game to the player game. I don't, get, game. I don't get him. Game. I don't get him. I don't just get Josh. change the I name of him. the all-star game to the good player game if Tobias Harris that's, that's what it, what do you that think an all-star true. means? That's like, what it is. I don't, right. I don't get Josh. Okay, I don't okay, get okay. Let me read you some Tobias Harris stats. He's 18th in points in the Eastern Conference. There's 12 players on the roster. He's 32nd in rebounds. He's 50th inefficiency these are stats in the eastern conference not the entire nba okay i don't see any way on earth where tobias harris should like even be making a case for for the all-star game this season i'm sorry i i mean max help me out dude wow um i'm not gonna lie the stats are 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 pretty damning i i would have expected him to be a little bit higher, at least in terms of the Eastern Conference. I'll say this. He is at the level of a guy who is a borderline all-star, but it it does seem that he's maybe going to get squeezed out this year um, because the East has, has, you know, kind of had some, some, some risky teams like, like, like one of the mind. How, how can you justify picking Tobias as much as I would love to over someone like Gordon Hayward for the Horn bin, you know, way more instrumental in their lesser success than the Sixers, but you know, need to look at the numbers to know that he averages more points a game. And if I'm, you know, if I'm putting my betting money on it, I would, I'd be willing to incline without, you know, knowing for sure that rebounds probably goes to Hayward as well. So that's just like one, one example that comes to mind where it's like Hayward's really easy to forget, right? Like he's a guy that's playing in a middling team who's, you know, he's a well-known player, maybe not the most well-liked player in the league, but it's just, you know, that's one example of where it's it's probably going to be tough to justify voting for Tobias Harris, who's the third piece over, you know, on a, on the best team in the East so far over a guy who's who's putting up the stats and the accolades, even if he's on a, you know, a, a team with much less overall success. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Those uh, those Eastern Conference stats kind of kind of messed me up. But JJ, it's on you, man. Bring me back up here. I'm I, down I here. You. I want me up here. I got you. To to not to think that he's not an all star is is not a wrong answer because Max, you're right. He's he's a borderline all star. So borderline means if he doesn't make it, I have no complaints. But if he does make it, I have no complaints. But to say that there's absolutely no case for him to make an all star team, like sometimes, Josh, I just don't get you because you're the same person that That's will right. say in week three Jalen Hurts needs to start, but but Tobias oh, Harris isn't an all star. Like I don't I like, was I, wrong? I, feel like I don't know what the that. vibes like the like one you're you're so like crazy optimistic one point and then one time I can't get you to give anybody props like it like hey, it, this would be the one speed, answer speed, where I would say, no this this would be the one answer where or the one question I expect you to come to the defense of one of your guys and say he's playing like an all star and I believe last year in the all star game I believe there were two players who averaged under twenty points that were in there Chris Paul and and Kemba Walker am I if I'm uh, correct. It's also a popularity contest. Let me fact check myself real quick. The rebounds number and the efficiency number were the entire NBA. 
not the Eastern and, Conference. And, 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 he's the, and he's the third best player on the best team in the, in the Eastern Conference. Like, the, the fact that he's 18th in scoring doesn't surprise me. He's, he's, the third, he's the third option. But if you look at his numbers in a vacuum, it's 20.7 rebounds, three assists on 51% from the field. Are those not borderline all-star numbers? Like you can I'm give back, me where baby. he ranks in the Eastern Conference. I'm back. I was here. I'm here. JJ, like those, those are all. Those are all-star numbers. And where the Sixers or Sixers fans can find some solace is if he doesn't make the all-star roster, he's still playing at an all-star level. Like forget forget the actual star next to his name. But if he's playing just as good, if not better and some 11th or 12th man who gets the reserve vote on an all-star roster, who cares if he gets 10 minutes in the all-star game? Like, he's still playing at that all-star level, and that's exactly what the Sixers need from him. Like, most title contending teams have the combination of an all-NBA and all-stars, wherever that is, whether that's one one all-NBA or one superstar with two all-star level players or two all-NBA with an all-star player, like... That, that big three combination is there, and the Sixers have that. Whether that's the one superstar in Joel Embiid or the two All-NBA players with Embiid on the offensive end and Embiid and Simmons on the defensive end and Tobias Harris playing all-star level. Like, who cares if he actually gets in? 27-3 and three on 51% from the field is all-star-like numbers, and that's exactly the threshold that Tobias Harris needs to hit. So Won't he's he a Sixers it? all-star. Oh. Like, he's a Sixers all-star. He might not be an NBA all-star, but he's a Sixers all-star, and that's good. That, that's yeah. that's exactly where it is. But to Let's say go. there's absolutely no, no – Like, there's yeah, there's absolutely no way Tobias Harris makes an all-star team. Look, if three people get hurt in the next two weeks, guess what? Tobias Harris is on the all-star, on the all all-star right. roster. Like, that's, like that's, that's where he is right now. Give, give the man some props. Come on, man. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Let's go. That's what I, I think you, you made me the, the Philadelphia – you know, the the Philadelphia optimist right now. You're good at it. <laughs> Let's go. Toby's never been my guy. Well, you're you're wrong. Props, right. man. You, wanna, you say you want to call a spade a spade. Like, no, call a spade I, a spade. Give I give him props. Right. I give him props. He's good. I'm saying not an all-star. Train's coming. 9-10 boarding time. Josh, if you're there, hop on. If you're not, it's not coming back around. All right? All right, well, we're going to continue with the mania part of our main event, and this is our last question for the main event. Oh, this is the certain question about a certain someone who plays a certain position on a certain team in a certain it. city. And escape it. Here we go. Carson Wentz mm. is being aggressively pursued. Uh, who? It never. It's it's never going to end. Well, it, actually, you know what, Max? It might end this week. Are you by reports. Oh. By reports, it might end this week. I don't know. We're seeing a banners over here. It, check it. You know what I mean. Sources tell us. Um, Just seen a banner. What should the Eagles' asking price be for Wentz, Max? I'm going to come to you first because it's. We all saw what the Matthew Stafford trade got the, or what the Rams had to give up in this Matthew Stafford trade. Now, you could take that many different ways. His contract was quote unquote more palatable than others. Um, he he's more of a quote unquote gamer. I'm not going to take all the I words bet. out of your mouth. Yeah, there's a lot of contracts. We, we, we have. It, it, exactly. And I'm not going to take all the words out of your mouth for reasons um, why that deal happened the way it did. So we have a little bit of context, but there's there's so many conflicting reports about what the Eagles are asking versus what other teams value him at versus what the Eagles actually value him at. So so what what what's 
what should the Eagles be asking? And I say should. What should the Eagles be asking for Carson Wentz? Well, I'll start by giving myself a quick pat on the back for, for all these many, many months ago when these first rumors of are the Eagles going to change and literally thought that you'd be able to recuperate first round pick for Carson Wentz after he showed on a football field last year. And I tried talking to everybody down. I said, look, NFL executives treat picks like they're the goddamn gold, like they're goddamn gold in the 1930s. You're not getting a first round pick for this guy. You're just not. And everyone's like, but Frank Reich loves him. The Colts love him. And I was like, okay, you know what? We'll be lucky if some guy at all, based on what he showed in his contract situation. So you know what? If the Eagles get anything that's a remotely deal and it seems like something to offer a second or a second and a third or something like that, they are not getting a first round pick for this guy. And maybe the most embarrassing part of this whole trade situation was when they came out and said, we're not getting offers that we like. We're cool not trading this guy because we like him as a person. And that was just a really, really uh, unfortunate thing to put your name and face behind face and spokesman of a franchise. So um, that was pretty bad. And, and it seems like they're in dire straits. So, you know what, at this point, trade them for a second and, and maybe, you know, anything else you can throw in there for the heap. And you know what, if they're so hell bent on including or getting rid of Zach Ertz, then just, you know, make it happen with the Colts. The Colts can use Ertz more than probably any other team in the league that's willing to talk with us about, you know, a multiplayer trade. Everybody wants Colts to happen. The fans do for some reason. The Colts want Wentz and Mike and Wentz wants Zach Ertz. And I'm sure Frank Ertz because he's had to deal with Trey Burton and Jim for the last couple of years. And so, you know what? Just make it happen at this point. Yeah. Jack Doyle plays four games a year. He gets 40 catches and somehow three of them are touchdowns in games where he needs to not anything when for fantasy purposes Damn good four so, games. you know what jack Doyle's on my shit list I, he's a blocker he's an offensive lineman who ended oh, up being a little bit more Andrew athletic than everybody that's else so, you know, that's my jack doyle tangent all right yeah well, you know, uh, take, take carson just don't give me jack doyle back in return that's all i ask <laughs> oh now we're talking package spicy mm. jj what should the eagles be asking for carson wentz I'm not going to lie. I was actually on the train of the Eagles might be able to get a first round pick for, you know, for the right team. And I don't know, Matt, that was so passionately said by Max that he's, he's so against the Eagles getting a first round pick for Carson Wentz that like now I have a tough time even convincing myself that it's going to happen. But if I'm the Eagles, I'm looking at the Chicago bears to make this happen because let me ask you, you guys real quick, who do you think is better? Or do you see much of a difference between Mitch Trubisky and Carson Wentz right now. If there is, who would you say is better? Uh, I hesitate to answer the better question. I would rather have Trubisky because I can walk from Trubisky. I mean, if we're going based off of just like everything and no contract, no contract. Good, that I I'm guess I guess go... the contract is the caveat. Like, take the contract out of it because you know that's what you're adopting. Like, that's a given. Yeah, it's got to be what you're yeah, I, 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 I would rather have this past year, but Mitch has always been brain dead. So yeah, I'll take Carson Wentz, but I can't. I can't. I can't say it's easy. That's the thing. I can't say. It's I, easy. I, I would rather have Wentz, but if we're like if if contracts are apart, I'd rather like if we're taking into account contracts, I'd rather have Trubisky because I can walk. Um, mm -hmm. But if it's in a vacuum, I'd say Wentz. 
Well, I mean, I, I think I don't think Trubisky has to be part of the package. I think if you want to go in in the picks range, the second or third round, especially to 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 beef up second or third round for the Eagles, just so you know, if you have a mistake in there now, at least you have a mulligan or a do over in that second round to make it happen. But if you're looking at the the Chicago Bears, I'm answering that same question. I'm saying I, I'd rather take Carson Wentz, maybe not seven out of seven days of the week, but in a vacuum, I'd rather take Carson Wentz than Mitchell Trubisky. And now you have a quarterback who's only one year older than Mitchell Trubisky. And, you know, Mitchell was taken in the 2017 draft draft class. Carson Wentz was taken in the 2016. So they're both on the bottom side of 30. And you Carson Wentz's ceiling, if you can get him back there. Also, who guess who's in Chicago? John Filippo. If you get Carson Wentz back to his ceiling, his ceiling is is what? There's, MVP. There's, there's someone else in Chicago. I knew it. I knew it. I said, don't do it. Don't do it to me. Don't, don't lead me down that road. There's someone else in Chicago, boys. Now, I mean, and the Eagles and the Eagles are, are that was wrapped up in no, this. Don't give Jalen Hurts a in, chance, please. There's so, <laughs> Carson well, Wentz there's, in. But what was it? But wasn't Nick Foles wrapped up in this whole Carson Wentz trade thing where everyone was Nick like, "Man, if they traded him, they got him." I was talking about Khalil Mack. Oh, I wasn't. You know, I w- I wasn't with Nick. Nick Foles Ooh. is in Chicago. I don't what? know. What? I, I guess you never heard that name before. I can't deal with this boy right now. Um, <laughs> but no, the, 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 all this, all this is exactly my point. Where, um, you know, you you go in and you have the selling point. You have the comfortability of. The last time you, there was a good Carson Wentz, this guy was a part of it. He worked directly with him. Maybe you can get him back there again. And now, you know, my plus side isn't Mitchell Trubisky. My plus side is uh, a rare form or a peak Carson Wentz. And we may have one of the only puzzle pieces that could get him back to that moment. That's my selling piece from the Eagles to the Chicago Bears. That's why you want Carson Wentz. He's an upgrade over your biggest plus side right now. You have two options, Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, neither one of them are really good options for you last year. We're giving you a better option than what you have right now. Oh, and by the way, he's only one year older than, you know, your your youngest option right now. Still on the bottom side of 30. Whenever you want to ask for that, Max kind of changed in my mind the asking price. But I do think the Eagles have a little bit of leverage there, even though they're backpacked with a pretty bad contract. The Bears know they're going to have to take on. But your plus side is bigger than anything you have on your organization right now. Josh, what should and I should what should the Eagles be asking for Carson Wentz? Well, well, this is why last week when the reports were a first Foles and Tariq Cohen, I called it Christmas because I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. What should be traded for Carson Wentz? Well, first of all, I, I might have thought maybe you can get one first, nothing more, nothing less. Maybe I could have even thought a second. And then Howie Roseman said, "I'm waiting for a Matt Stafford type deal." Give me a break. That is just, like, you, you don't have a gauge on the NFL if you're making a quote like that, Howie. I think the best deal for Carson Wentz is a third-round pick and a, a, a Kiki Kute type. I, I don't know the receiver, but just someone who's, like, they might be good. No one really knows. They'll catch the ball. They might be, like, they're quick. Like, just a total flyer on a receiver and a third-round pick, and we'll be happy to be off the contract. Cordero Patterson? Yeah, yeah. I mean, nah, nah, he's too old. We need a young guy who, who we don't know what he could be. He could be anything, you know? One of those guys where you could talk yourself into, oh, this guy's going to go off this year. The Eagles can make a spin, make a highlight video, like, oh, this guy's so good. We'll get all excited, and, he, and he'll get one catch the whole year and never really do anything. 
but we'll be happy because we don't have Carson Wentz's contract. That's all that matters. You're not getting anything from this guy. Third round pick and a mediocre wide receiver, a, a gadget receiver. Cordero Patterson. So That's I just cool. I don't know if I don't know if there is a technical asking price for Wentz. Um, I don't know if that's a cop out answer or not, but I think I think any asking price for Wentz has to include another player. Um, and the name being tossed around lately is including Andre Dillard in a package. Um, you just you can't you, like no no team no team is going to bite on a package of or, or, or no team is going to bite on just. Carson Wentz by himself, um, mainly because Howie Roseman is delusional, um, which again yeah. means the problem is still in Philadelphia. It's not out the door. Um, well, no I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what. If Howie goes to the market with the mindset of these two Eagles fans down here, no wonder he's not going to get anything back for Carson Wentz. You're like, hey, who wants who, who wants damaged goods? You guys, you guys. I know you guys don't really want him, but like, can you take him for like a second of that? Like, if you go to the market with that, that's why you're not going to get anything for him. You got to go. Well, with how, how here's why he helps you. And I think at, there's at one team. Point. There might be only one team that you can go to them and say, "Hey, this guy is an upgrade to what you have." And uh, either either way, I don't know if Carson Wentz himself is going to have a market, and if it is, it's extremely convoluted. And then you just you can't combine the contracts of of a Carson Wentz and a Zach Ertz when Zach Ertz is going to be demanding a new deal anyway on top of what Carson Wentz is getting paid. That's just, it's not, no team is going to take that. So, I mean, if anything, I think you can get a first round pick and maybe recoup like a late round pick if you include Dillard in that. But to, to look at that package, uh, how many picks you gave up to go up and get Carson Wentz and then Andre Dillard was a first round pick in and of himself. It's... I mean, you can call getting a first round pick back a win, but it's not even coming close to breaking uh, to breaking even. Like it's just yeah, not not only to ship out your first round pick from two years ago. Yeah, it's it's Dillard in that in that package is the only way you ship a first round pick, and what comes after the first round pick, I think, is up to anybody's anybody's chagrin after that point. I mean, just real quick, I don't even I don't even believe too much in Andre Dillard, but like like I was saying about like the fake receiver, like there is that that hope where it's like this guy was a first round pick. He hypothetically fills a very large need the Eagles have right now. That that's just such a deal breaker for me. Where if you toss in Andre Dillard, I, I it makes me not want to do the trade. Will you have Jordan Mailata? I I actually do like Jordan Mailata, but still, I feel like there's after this. He don't beef up a he don't beef up a package. I no no well I I don't I, I would much rather me if I'm looking at it like if if I'm looking at Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata in a vacuum and this is segueing a little bit from our topic but I think this speaks to the overall package because we're talking about who would we include in a package with Carson Wentz if I'm looking at both of them in a vacuum I would much rather trust Jordan Mailata with three to four years ago the dude has never played football organized football in his life and in year three or four I can't remember which one it is. He became a serviceable left tackle in the NFL. Like it, and and Andre Dillard, there's quote unquote hope. Me personally, if I'm if I'm looking at X's and O's and, and ones and zeros like binary, I'm trusting the guy who picked up a sport three years ago and became serviceable in the best competition on the planet. You know what I mean? So if I got yeah. a toss in Dillard to get a first round pick, that's what I'm doing. Does that make sense? Is that fair? Oh yeah, no. I don't hate right. it. Yeah, I mean, it would fun. certainly be a bit of a sunk cost, but you know, yeah, I mean, if they're set on my lot, then why point, not? You know, it's going to cost less to keep him around than it would Dillard. So yeah, Max, we got Very a Super Bowl. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you sold your souls yeah. for that one too. Ban banners fly forever, baby. Yeah, that's true. I hey, I whatever soul I have left, I'll give up for one of those. But uh, this is going to bring us to halftime, and it's going to be unconventional. And you're going to question why, but the product is going to speak for itself. And I'm going to say you're going to question why because there hasn't been hockey to talk about. But like I said, the product speaks for itself. All right. So here's our halftime with minute with Max. He's coming. I'll be honest. I, I thought we were just going to skip right over this. This is news to me that oh. we're doing this. So the, the best the best I'll offer you is that in the three games the Flyers have played during the calendar month of February, uh, they had two heartbreaking leads blown and then one touchdown scored over the next day. After one of those heartbreaking losses, they haven't played in eight days. They were supposed to practice today and didn't. They're supposed to tomorrow. Who knows what will happen. If they practice tomorrow, I would say you can expect to see them Thursday night against the Rangers. They'll probably look like shit since they haven't played in, by that point, almost two weeks. But if you're in the mood for sloppy hockey, Thursday is right there for you. But maybe we'll do one of these again in another couple of weeks. Whatever happens in this next, you know, the first, I, I, gotta get, I think we got to give them two games, right? Right they play after that, who cares what they look like? Yeah, that's uh, Travis Konechny got added to the COVID protocols uh, either yesterday or the day before as well. So that brings the the Flyers total to seven, I believe. Um, it's it's wild. Uh, what? So Justin Braun, um, yeah, Giroux, Travis Konechny. Um, I'm blanking. I think Voracek is on it. Um, it's it's a mess yeah, right Voracek now. It really Morgan is. Frost is. Um, Frost, yep. Um, it's it's a mess. So yeah, hopefully our next minute with Max. Is they, be, they they've yeah. had productive. Hopefully it'll be productive. Uh, productive is a good word. Uh, so hopefully the next minute with Max, we can give you a full minute of just joy about the orange and black. But right now, um, we're gonna go into pro, pro, we're gonna go into COVID protocols on minute with Max until until the Flyers come out of theirs. Okay, how does that sound? Oh, we're moving right on. We're moving right on to word on the street in our second half. All right, boys, the word on the street. Everybody knows how it works. So our first word on the street is going to be the Sixers should the Sixers should feel blank about where they stand this season. JJ. Uh, encouraged. They should Ooh. feel, you know, very encouraged that we're, you know, into February now in the first in the Eastern Conference, and even on a two-game slide in the midst of a four-game road trip, they still sit first in the Eastern Conference, and I still think they have, quote-unquote, their best stretch of ball to play or still haven't played consistently their best basketball into the season. That's, that's encouraging for me. Now, it's different if you haven't played your best basketball and you sit fifth or sixth in the Eastern Conference, and you know you got a mountain to climb. But the fact that you're on top of your conference and you can still pinpoint places that not only we can improve, but I think that we're going to improve once it's all said and done, once we get back fully healthy and make this home stretch run. I think it's it's encouraging that you've already beaten the defending champions. You seem to have got, gotten the Boston monkey off your back, even though it was two games without Jason Tatum. I know it's a, a, there's a little caveat to it, but we already talked about why that win is still encouraging. I mean, I, I get it. They've had losses to the Portland Trailblazers 
and Phoenix Suns. Um, but they've looked good against top-tier competition this season for the most part. So I think the Sixers should feel encouraged by where they're at. Max, the Sixers should feel what? Got it. I'm going to keep this um, look up. I was trying to think of a better, uh, you know, catchier word, but they should be hungry based on where they are because they've Ooh, overcome quite a bit of it. They've had they've had key players all miss time. They've they've you know they've seen a lot of players take on larger roles and and get better and and you know like Tobias Harris is a big example. Maxi coming in from from college and you know like I said earlier, he's kind of cooled off recently, but he has had you know pretty major contributions throughout the team this year. Seth Curry is probably you know when he has been playing has probably been playing the best you know of his career and you know Ben Simmons continues to go on the defensive end. Joel Embiid is, you know, firmly in MVP conversation for the first time in his career. They should see what's going on around them and, and realize that, you know, they're capable of, of, of going all day, right? Like no, no team is perfect, right? Even some issues, right? No team is perfect. Can you, can you deal with your imperfections enough to overcome them and, and, and exploit other teams the, you know, the way they're looking to exploit you? I think the Sixers team is very capable of, of going at you a bunch of different ways. We can do the three-point onslaught, have a dominant force inside. You know, or, or we don't have, really have someone insanely great ballman in, you know, gets, gets their own shots, but you, know, you can work around those things. So I think they should, they should, feel, they should feel hungry. They should, they should feel like, hey, we're here. It's the all-star weekend almost like this is where you're legitimized if you're in first place in your comp weekend you didn't fluke your way there this isn't you know this isn't christmas with the outlay october start date this isn't you know this isn't martin luther king day with the christmas start date this year this is you know this mm -hmm. is the halfway point of the season you've made it halfway through in first place you can do the second half in first place so yeah, yep, make yep. it happen i agree i like hungry josh the sixers should feel how about where they stand this season well, I think this is like summed up the difference between the Negadelphian and JJ right here because JJ went with encouraged. Um, I was along the lines of hungry. I'm saying unsatisfied because I agree. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, That's I appreciate it. Good, That's good. Fine. Because I agree because they should feel encouraged. But the Negadelphian in me, the word encouraged never even popped into my head. It was immediately mm -hmm. like hungry, unsatisfied because it, it comes back tonight a little bit. Is like if you are championship or bust, like the general manager, Daryl Morey, has called the season. You And, yeah, we talked about this already. You shouldn't be seven-point dogs to the Jazz, in my opinion. And, 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 like, that number does make sense. But I just feel a little bit like, like they should feel unsatisfied. And I think they do look better than last year. They look better than the year before then. But I'm still going to bed. And, you know, it's keeping me up at night. Just a, a second-round exit. I'm trying to fall asleep. And I'm just, oh, second-round exit. You know what I mean? And I just <laughs> I can't shake that feeling. So I sure I am definitely traumatized, but I just a little bit unsatisfied. I need to see just a little more. All right. Our second word on the street, JJ coming back around. LeBron being number one in the MVP voting over Joel Embiid is what? A little cookie cutter. It's yeah. it's a it's a little status quo, cookie cutter, expected, whatever you want. But if you look at LeBron's numbers, you look at Joel's numbers, Joel is about, I believe, off the top of my head. 29, 11, and 7, or something like that. And LeBron's 25, 7, and 7. Joel Embiid captains the best team in the Eastern Conference. LeBron is LeBron, but his Lakers aren't even number one in the Western Conference. And he's on a little bit of, you know, they're on a little bit of a, a slide right now coming off of a, a, a questionable loss. I get they lost Anthony Davis in that game, but 
you know, even, even still. Um, so I believe it's a, it's a little bit narrative driven. I'm not sure this is, this was the year this was coming into where, Oh, LeBron maybe should have won MVP last year. So he's going to get the, the leg up this year. But if we're going objectively speaking, I, 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 it's, it's crazy how Embiid is not the, the number one MVP candidate right now. Like in my eyes, I don't know if I'm falling for a little bit of, of Philadelphia bias just because I'm in this market. But to me, objectively, he's the MVP. So to have anyone over him is to me wrong. But the fact that it's LeBron James is like, oh man, I guess it's his world, right? It's LeBron's world. We're living in it. So if he wants the MVP, he's he's got the MVP. You're going to have to pry it from his cold, dead hand. So it seems a little bit cookie cutter. Max, LeBron being number one in the MVP voting over Embiid is what? It's this is one word here. It's a media driven. It's really what it is. It's 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 objectively incorrect. Um, and I guess I guess it's almost our fault to hold. You know, LeBron's only averaging twenty five seven as the MVP. Like it, it feels almost unfair to say, but you know, part of part of the MVP race and part of these these seasonal awards that we give out throughout professional sports league, like expectation factors into these awards. If we're like coach of the year is, is probably the most uh, example throughout all sports, right? Like, if and you are the best team going in. Uh, a ton of love for it. And I'm pretty sure I froze. You're there. I froze. Here we go. Oh, cool. Anyways, just to wrap things up, right? So if you, you know, if you're expected to be the best team and you are, you know, congratulations, good job, you get it. If you're expected <laughs> to be the Oklahoma City Thunder last year and you end up in the sixth seed, then a lot of that, you know, a lot of that naturally goes in leadership positions, which is the coach most, you know, most obviously. So when it comes to, you know, players are, are treated the same way. LeBron is LeBron. He's LeBron's expected to do this every year. LeBron needs to LeBron standards for LeBron to win because he's held against himself. For Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is held against the standard against the rest of the NBA, who was a great player, the guy who was dominant in terms of his role on his team, and his team is dominant in success of their, you know, their playing field. Right in the Eastern Conference, the Sixers are top dogs. Embiid is clearly most other players in the NBA this year, and especially compared to his teammates, so it makes him an obvious MVP choice. And and you know, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I thought that that Sixers Lakers national TV game would would you know in theory strengthen his case if if they were able and to win didn't. they did he, he got and he got the shit fouled out of him by lebron and, and that still didn't build any brownie points so i don't i don't yeah. really know what more he has to do so I, I don't know i think i think if things keep coasting the way they are you have to imagine the lakers are going to hit right like this next stretch of games is lebron's mvp case if the lakers if the lakers keep just destroying teams and winning every game regardless if they should or not this is LeBron's MVP race to lose it. That's a great point. Like, now that he doesn't have Anthony Davis. Five and five in, their, in yeah. 10 games without Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, Josh, Bron Bron being number one in the MVP race over Joel Embiid is yeah, good. It's propaganda. That's what it is. It's wow. propaganda. We all want to <laughs> just, oh, he's better than Jordan. He's better than Jordan. That's a completely different debate. But it's simply propaganda, and it's almost as if seven years later, mean old snake Dave Silver is still trying, and the rest of the NBA is still trying to go against the whole tanking for Joel Embiid narrative. 
And, and it's just, I, I won't have it anymore. It is so clear that Joel Embiid is the most dominant player in the NBA, statistically most impressive player in the NBA. He is the MVP. Everyone just loves LeBron so much. Oh, it's propaganda. Give me a break. Embiid's got to win MVP if the season ended today. Wow. All right. I, Max, you make a good point. I think this is this is LeBron's MVP stretch. If he shows up mm. and shows out, pretty much solidified. But, boys, does anybody know what Wednesday, February 17th is? Pitchers and catchers, baby. Oh, pitchers and catchers are reporting. And, catchers, and since I am the resident spring training baseball watcher, the only one, in fact. Oh, I'll join you, Banners. We got to do Here we go. We're watching some spring training baseball. Yes, sir. Anybody who doesn't is a loser. All right. All right Big old lead, in the words of uh, Ace Ventura. But we're going to come back around, and this is the one I'm going to weigh in on. Phillies fans can expect blank this season compared to last year. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to start off. Phillies fans Please. can expect to finish better than the Mets this season. Because you know what Mets stands for? You know what Mets stands for? Must end the season. Okay? <laughs> That's what Mets stands for. They can go, ooh, I don't even want to. Mm, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. You almost got me there, New York. You almost had me. That blue and orange, you, you, you had me right on the edge there. I'm not going to do it. But we are going to finish ahead of the New York Mets. Um. The Phillies played a top five. Um, they, they, they were top five in offense in terms of uh, scoring runs. It, it's everybody. I'm not even going to bring up the bullpen, even though I just did, uh, it, it, in terms of being the reason they did not make the playoffs. The Mets were a decent offensive team, but they were nowhere close to the Phillies in terms of putting up runs. Um, so you can add your little Francisco Lindor. That's not a slight, Frankie. I actually really like you. I wish they would have made yeah. a trade myself. But um, for, for this argument's case, you can have your little Francisco Lindor. You can get your little Noah Syndergaard back. You can get your Carlos Carrasco. And, and again, Carlos, I like him. It's just for argument's sake right now. You can have your little Carlos Carrasco's. It's fine. You're still the New York Mets. You still wear blue and orange, which, again, I kind of like that colorway, but just not on you. You know what I mean? So, like, go, go, go back to Queens. Nobody likes you. Or Flushing, whatever you decide to play in. You know what I mean? The U.S. Open's there. You City Field's garbage. You know what I mean? So, JJ, sorry about that. I had to, I had to, to speak it out. You know what okay. I mean? I, I just get that off my chest. But the Phillies fans can expect what this season compared to last? Maybe this is kind of along the lines of you, and I'm not saying that Phillies fans can expect anything groundbreaking, but I think we can expect not to severely be disappointed in comparison to last season. And finishing 500 to me – was severely disappointing. I guess, yeah. especially how we how we finished 500. I think this team is better than that. But I think this offseason is a little microcosm or a little indication about what we're going to see. And again, did we blow anybody away this offseason? No. But we re-signed JT. We bring back Didi. We are, are adding to the bullpen. I'm not sure what crazy advance it is, but there's attention going to it. So I'm not severely disappointed. Now, last season, when we just failed to completely address any problems that we knew that we had in the offseason, I was severely disappointed and ended up being severely disappointed in the season. So at least in the offseason, I'm not severely disappointed. They're doing the bare minimum. They're doing what they should. So I expect the Phillies to do what they should. Maybe that's just not finishing worse than the Mets. But I expect to not be 
So really disappointed. I still need to see a little bit more to buy in or to expect a good Philly season or, you know, a, a better than expected Philly season. But I right now I just expect to, to not be heartbroken. Josh, Phillies fans can expect blank this season compared to last. Oh, man, I, I hate to do this. But nice. I think Phillies fans can expect a little bit more of the same this season as they did nice. last season. And, 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 yeah, I mean, I give them props for bringing back JT and DD, and the offense should be good. But I just feel like is Archie Bradley really the guy who's pushing the needle for you? Yes. Where it's like, I see I'm not there. And I think, Art, like, is he good? Yeah, I do like the signing. Consider I mean, my needle pushed. <laughs> I can tell. From where, from and, where and, we were? Yeah, he pushes it. From where we were, he pushes it. Like that. Like that. You know he what I'm saying? Like that's the push that's I a push. <laughs> but that's the push between fourth and third to me, or third and second. Like, that's not a playoff push, in my opinion. Uh, ben, I'm the biggest proponent for Mets going to Met. Like, no matter how good that roster is, like, four of those guys will get Tommy John, regardless mm -hmm. if they're pitchers or not. I, I am just very nervous to buy in with the Phillies. I think they'll be right around 500. I really do. And I think it's because they didn't make any splashes in pitching. And they, those moves were, a lot of those moves I think were good. No great moves. And I think they needed at least one great move. A Paxton Lynch in there. That Paxton Lynch. Woo boy. James Not Paxton. the quarterback. James Paxton. Thank you. Thank I agree. You. I would like that signing, even though he gets hurt. Every other day, yeah, um, but, like, but you get where I'm going at here. That I think they're missing that one pitcher. That's what I needed. That would have pushed. That would have pushed the needle for me. Archie Bradley wasn't it. Wow, what about Brandon Kinsler? Does Brandon Kinsler do that for you? Minor league deal, Brandon Kinsler. Hey, you, you never know. I, I, you could be a minor league guy. Guy, I don't know. Aficionado, Max. Phillies fans can expect blank this season compared to last. Phillies fans can expect regression to in a lot of places where they found themselves on the extreme ends, and that means the Phillies fans can expect a playoff for it this year. Statistically impossible. It feels Let's almost go. impossible for a bullpen to be so ravaged by injuries and just hot, steamy garbage for three years in a row. It almost feels impossible. Statistically, it, they can't get as injured as they have been the last two years. Statistically, they're probably not going to be as just terrible top to bottom as they have been the last few years. Even a below average, even an average bullpen, I think probably gets them in the playoffs last year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah, I know. I got a couple seconds late. Exactly, right? So I think just even some slight regression to the mean is the difference between finishing, five, finishing four or five games over 500, and that's maybe the difference not between playoffs. making the, the playoffs or not. Am I saying the Phillies are going to? Be a legit threat for the deal. As of right now, no, because Josh is right. They did, they didn't really do any huge needle shaking moves. But I think just the, the the pure way that 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 the cyclical nature of sports is that they just can't be that putrid in in the same ways for three years in a row. So wait, I'll wait, take wait, my chances. Just real quick, real and you heard quick. it here first, if folks. Statistical regression is our friend. They have to be better than one of these teams, the Padres, Mets, or Braves, in my opinion. And I don't think they're better than those three teams there. Guys, you're all forgetting the biggest needle mover of them all. Oh boy. Jose Alvarado and his heroic nutsack are coming back this year. Pause. That's, uh, I Jose Alvarez? Alvarado. No, it's no, it's Jose Alvarez. Yeah. That's, well, Alvarez. yeah. I think, no, I think, and, we, and we got Jose Alvarado. Yeah, We're getting yeah, Jose yeah, Alvarez yeah, yeah. back. The dude who took a line drive straight to the cojones <laughs> and still made the out, okay? 
Jose Alvarez. He made the comes play. Back. He huh? made, made the play. Made he the still play. made the play. He took one straight to the gonads and make still made that out. It's, we need that. You get him back, that's a glue piece right there. That's the glue guy. And you had Jose Alvarado. You got you got both the, both the Jose's. Max, I love you, man. I was here. I'm here. I, I'm all the way up here. All right. I love it. I, I want. Good on you. I had to take. I had to take us out on a positive note. Good on I you. love it. And and to take us out even further, it's time for tap outs. All right. And I'll go first again because I'm going to take my thirty. All right. It snowed here in the city of brotherly love. Now, let me preface this by saying what I'm about to rant on. If the whole street, if the whole neighborhood, the whole block agrees upon it, then I am fine with it. But I don't play, I don't, I don't play this saving spots game. Okay. No, no. I don't play that. I, I've never played it. I'm not gonna play it. You can I you're not gonna, I'm not, you're not gonna sway me. I'm not gonna sway you. It's just not how it goes. But if I see you shoveling and leaving after you're back from work or leaving for work, I don't care. If I see you shoveling and I see you put a lawn chair there or a trash can or a traffic cone, that means I just came up on two things, a parking spot and either a traffic cone, a chair, or a trash can. That's not how this goes, okay? We don't – no, no, no. That's – I don't play none of that, all right? I have been victim of shoveling a, uh, a spot out for my truck, a big spot, mind you, because it's a pickup truck, only to circle the block and found a nice little Kia Soul all up in my harbor that I dug out, all right, for parking my boat. I'd, I've been victim to that. And you know what? I said, ah, got here before me. And I took a lap, all right? I don't want any of this... Saving spots. That's not. No, no, no. Not. You no, know I can tell. You know, I can tell that that's a genuine. That that story actually happened to you because no one names Kia Soul off the top of their head. Oh, like, it was, was there. That was, it was clearly, green. That clearly it was, actually it happened to you. It wasn't even bright green. It was like um, like that pea green. That little. It was like green. yeah. It was like muted. It was disgusting. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. Mm, I don't play any of this saving spot crap. All right, if you want to save a spot. Take it somewhere else or get the whole block to agree upon it. And then I'll have a safe spot with you. And then we can, we, we can, we can be together on the same wavelength, but don't let me catch you throwing these traffic cones or trash cans or lawn chairs or children out there holding spots. I don't, I don't play that game. All right. Who wants to go next? I do agree. I'll go next. Um, one, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, move your feet, lose your seat mentality over this way. I'm not sure how anybody else plays with the street parking in Philadelphia. It's limited as it is. Um, but my tap out is I wanted to go next because it's a little bit of a down note. So I'll, I'll give Josh and Max the opportunity to bring us up afterwards. But right after the Buccaneers had one of their most exciting times in franchise history today, we entered one of, or we had one of our most down days of franchise history today. We lost former Buccaneer and, and former NFL pro bowler, Vincent Jackson, who was found dead in his home in Florida today, which absolutely rocks. Not only the NFL world, but but the Buccaneers world. Um, he spent half of his career with Tampa. He only played on two teams. That was the then San Diego Chargers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Three-time Pro Bowler, uh, one-time Pro Bowler with the Buccaneers. But more importantly, four-time Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for four straight years from 2013 to 
to 2016, just an absolute model citizen, not only for the city of Tampa Bay, but the city of San Diego and for the NFL. And in general, a great mentor to our now wide receiver core leader, Mike Evans, who, you know, Vincent was at the end of his career when Mike Evans got drafted and seamlessly brought Mike Evans into the NFL. I thought the year that we had Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans we had a great wide receiver core with a stamped veteran and the next up-and-coming good receiver in the NFL. Um, I just can't speak enough good things about who Vincent Jackson was. Um, but prayers up to him and his family. Buccaneers Nation is absolutely going through it today. Um, but, you know, I'm glad he was actually, you know, he, he got to see his former team bring home the Lombardi Trophy before he unfortunately passed. And, you know, he, he's able to bring, you know, a, a pseudo ring up there in heaven with him. So rest in peace to Vincent Jackson. Uh, he's going to be dearly missed. Man, 38 is 38 is way too young for, for anybody to pass. So thoughts, thoughts and prayers go out to, to the family of, uh, to the Jackson family. Um, Max, Josh. Well, that's a, Hey, that's a, that's a tough one to go after. Rest in peace. Vincent I'm sorry. Jackson. I'm a little behind. So I'm trying to like, I can't really tell who's moving or not. <laughs> I'll go. I'll just go. Anyways. Josh, if you can go, I'm not doing a tap out tonight. I'm like wildly delayed. Just go. Just everybody have a good night. There's my tap out. (laughs) (laughs) That's all folks. All right. Well, well, on that note, I have been a movie person my whole life. Like I feel like you're an either a TV show person or a movie person. And I've always been a movie person. And lately I just started watching movies where I would sit through like two hours. I'd be like, wow. That sucked. Like, I wish I did not just sit through two hours. I don't know, fellas. I might be becoming a TV show guy. I, I watched Fargo. I'm watching Fargo mm. right now. Hoo-wee. I mean, I watched a show called Dark on Netflix. I never even heard of it. Blew my mind. Like, yeah. and, and the thing about TV shows Dark's is really it's just – Yeah, all right, all right. Not a lot of people know about Dark. Dark blew yeah. me away. The thing about TV shows is it's like it's almost like another friend. Where, like, you don't even have to worry about anything. You know, 9.30, 10 o'clock hits, and you're like, ah, I got Fargo there for me, waiting for me at the end of the night. Like, all good. You don't even think about the choice. So, you know, I have been, like, a movie guy my whole life. The TV show turn is coming. That's a good way to put it. I, I like oh, that. getting enough. old, Josh. Welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that dumping old man. Well, welcome. We don't, have, we don't have the time for two-hour movies anymore. Throw, no. throw a 30-minute episode on. Let's call it a night. You gotta, you gotta schedule that. Like, give me, give me. I'll, I'll, I'll block out two hours in three weeks. All right, let me put that yeah. on the calendar. Exactly. Um, but that is gonna be it for us here. Trust the process. Live as always. We are brought to you by My New Philly, where something is always new and everything's always new. And again, a reminder: you can find this episode and uh, a bunch of episodes wherever you get your podcast whether that be anchor spotify apple podcast or wherever you send us a platform where our podcast is not on and we will put it on there thank you so much for joining philadelphia we'll see you next week